Who is the devil and where did he come from? Does he have any power? If he does, where does he get it from? What are the wiles and schemes of the devil that the Bible keeps talking about? How much attention should we be giving the devil? If the devil is defeated, can't we just ignore him? In this series, we're going to the Word to find the answers to these very common questions and more. Hello and welcome to Faith Talks. I'm your host, Emily Preston, and in these podcasts, we will be discussing how to practically apply the principles found in the Word, or how to be a doer of the Word, so that you can start seeing more of the manifestation of God's grace in every area of your life. everybody and welcome back to Faith Talks where we are learning how to walk by faith through grace. Today is part 11 of my teaching Know Thy Adversary and over the last few months now we have been getting to know our enemy. We are studying his devices, his strategies and his schemes. We're educating ourselves on how he gets advantage of people, how he tricks and cons people into giving him place and the reason we're doing this is because in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, God tells us that if we are not unaware of his schemes, if we are not ignorant of his devices, then he cannot outwit, outsmart or get advantage of us. So clearly God places high importance on us getting to know our adversary. And yes, the devil is defeated. Yes, Jesus conquered him at the cross, but he is still on the loose and he is still God of this earth until Jesus comes back which means that as long as we remain on the earth, which isn't going to be for very much longer, we are still living in the devil's territory. And in the devil's territory, there is death and destruction and sickness and disease and poverty and plagues and pestilence and depression and fear and terror and you name it, the list goes on and on. However, God has made it possible for us to dwell in the secret place of the Most High, untouched by the death and destruction that is going on around us. So I'm not going to recap everything that we've been learning over the last few episodes because it would take up too much time, but I really encourage you to go back and listen to the episodes leading up to today's teaching or re-listen to them to remind yourself of what the devil's tactics are, how he gets advantage of people, how we give him an open door or cooperate with him. Because once we know our adversary and we know who we are in Christ Jesus, we will never again fear the result of any battle. So today we're going to talk about what we do when we're in the fight of faith. (laughs) What are the enemy's tactics when we are in the fight of faith for something? Because remember that the enemy can't just come in and mess with our lives. He can't just come in and put sickness on us, put disease on us, put depression on us, wreak havoc in our relationships. He can't just do things to us. He has to have our cooperation. 
we have to give him place. And the way we give him place is by falling for his wiles, his schemes, and his devices. And remember that we learned that in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, God tells us that the schemes and the devices of the devil are thoughts. They are thoughts. The only power that the enemy has against us is to present a lie, a thought or a suggestion to us because if we take his thoughts, our words, our actions and our behaviors will follow that thought and he has successfully conned us into cooperating with him. Today, we're going to talk about what we do when we're in the fight of faith. So perhaps you're in the fight of faith for something right now. You're in the fight of faith for your health, for your finances, for your relationships, for your marriage, for your mental peace or anything else. The enemy's wiles, tactics and schemes are still the same. (laughs) The only way that the enemy can keep us stuck in that situation, dealing with those issues, fighting those challenges, putting up with those problems is still by convincing us to believe his lies. And today we're going to look at a very familiar passage of scripture, but I'm so excited to show you what I've gotten out of this passage that I've never seen before, but it is revolutionary. So we're going to look at John 10 verse 10. This scripture says that the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. In other words, the devil's primary objective, his sole purpose for existing, his driving motivation is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Notice that he first comes to steal. It starts with stealing. That word steal is the Greek word klepto, and it means to take away by stealth. And it's where we get the word kleptomaniac from. And that word kleptomaniac is used to describe someone with a persistent neurotic impulse to steal, often for no apparent reason. And just like a kleptomaniac's very nature is to steal, it is the very nature and behavior of the thief who is Satan. But he can't steal anything from us. He can't steal our health, our finances, our marriage, our relationships, our joy or our peace from us unless we submit to him. Again, he has to have a physical body to submit to him, to cooperate with him in order to steal anything from us. Okay, so you might say, well, if he can't steal anything physically from us without our cooperation, what does he steal? Well, look at this. The answer is found in the parable of all parables, the parable which all the principles of the kingdom of God are founded on, and that is the parable of the sower. In Mark 4 verse 15, it says that the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, when they have heard, immediately Satan comes and steals the word that was planted in them. Satan, the thief, comes not but first to steal the word. He comes to steal the word. 
Why does he want to steal the word? Because the word is our mirror. The word reveals to us precisely who we are in Christ and precisely what we have been given by God's grace through the finished works of Jesus. The word is our sword of the spirit. And the sword of the spirit is how we defend ourselves against the attacks of the enemy. And the word is our seed. Without word seed, we have nothing to produce a harvest. The word is our very source of life, health, provision, peace, love, joy, and everything we need that pertains to life and godliness. So he comes to steal that source. He comes to steal the word. This has been his tactic from the very beginning. In the Garden of Eden, God had provided Adam and Eve everything they needed. Do you know that he created them last? Because when he created them, he wanted them to already have everything that they needed. He had given them a whole garden to eat from and enjoy. He had given them dominion and authority over the earth. He had made them just like him in his image and in his likeness. They had an open line of communication to him. They could walk and talk with him continuously. They had everything that they needed for life and godliness And Adam had a word from God saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So now Satan shows up to steal the word. And in Genesis 3 verse 1, he comes to Eve in the body of a serpent and says to her, did God really say you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And then the woman answered and said, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then Satan said, you shall not surely die. Now let's look at this a little bit more closely. It would appear that this was a direct lie. It would appear that Satan was lying to Eve and telling her that she shall not surely die. But look closely at what the woman had said. She said that God had said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it. Do you know that God didn't say that they couldn't touch it? Let's look at that passage again in Genesis 2 verse 17. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. There was no mention of touching it. God didn't tell Adam that they could not touch it. He only told them that they could not eat of it. Do you know that the woman wasn't even created when God gave Adam this instruction? You go back to Genesis and have a look. She was created after this happened. Eve got her information secondhand from Adam. 
she was misinformed about what God had said. And so Satan targeted her because of her wrong perception about what God had said. And he used her wrong perception of God's word to further deceive her and say, you shall not die. Because God hadn't said they'd die if they touched it, but only if they ate of it. So when Satan said, you shall not surely die, he wasn't exactly lying, but he was deceiving the woman. He was tricking her into believing a lie about what God had said. When I was a kid, someone had given me a chocolate bar and I put it in my room to have later on and suddenly it disappeared. And so having two younger siblings, I immediately blamed them. And I said to my brother, do you have my chocolate bar? And he looked at me all innocently and said, no, I don't have it. And so I searched the house high and low looking for my chocolate bar. And finally I found it and my brother had taken it and tucked it under his pillow. And I said to him, you said that you didn't have my chocolate bar. And he said, I didn't have it. I knew where it was, but I didn't have it. And so he was twisting the truth. It wasn't a direct lie that he didn't have it, but he still knew where it was. It wasn't a direct lie, but he was deceiving me from knowing the truth because even though he didn't physically have it, he knew where it was. But I had asked him if he had my chocolate bar. The definition of deceive is to deliberately cause someone to believe something that isn't true, especially for personal gain. Remember in 1 Timothy 2 verse 14, it says that the woman was deceived, but Adam was not. And this is why the sin of mankind is attributed to Adam, because Adam sinned knowingly against God. He ate the fruit knowing that he was disobeying God, whereas Eve was deceived. She unknowingly disobeyed God because she had a twisted version of what God had said. And Satan used that twisted version of what God had said to deceive her into believing that she could eat the fruit. And he successfully stole the word from Adam and Eve, which gave him access to kill and destroy in the earth for centuries since. And you know, he does the same thing today. His tactics haven't changed. In 2 Peter 1 verse 3, God tells us that his divine power has given us Everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his glory and goodness. Just like Adam and Eve, God has already given us everything we need. He's given us health and wisdom and provision and peace and joy. He's given us dominion and authority, not only over all of the earth, but also over all of the power of the enemy. He has restored us to our position as kings in this earth. He has given us open access to the throne of God and the counsel of the Holy Spirit. But the only reason that we know that we have these things is through knowledge of him, through knowledge of the word, by looking into the mirror of the word and finding out who we are and what we have. So Satan has to come to 
steal that word. He has to come to steal the word that tells us that we have already been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. And he comes to us and says, did God really say that you are healed? What about that pain? What about that diagnosis? What about that symptom? Did God really say that you have divine provision? Look at that empty bank account. Did God really say that you have divine protection? Look at all the violence that's going on in the world. Did God really say that you have love and joy and peace? Think about all of the things that aren't right in your life right now. And just like he did with Eve, he uses people's wrong perceptions about God their misinformation about what he says to further deceive them. And people will say things like, well, God doesn't heal everybody. In his divine sovereignty, he chooses who to heal and who not to heal. Or they say things like, God's using this trial to teach me something. If God wanted to heal me, he would. God's preparing me for bigger trials that lie ahead. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. God knows what he's doing. He's in total control. God is allowing me to go through this trial because he sees the reward on the other side. The reason the devil is attacking me so hard is because he can see God's purpose for me. And do you know that God didn't say any of these things? Not one of those statements has any scriptural foundation. Or it might have some scriptural foundation, but because of wrong teaching or wrong information, people have gotten a twisted version of what God has really said. And the devil tricks people into putting up with things because of their own wrong perceptions or misinformation about what God says. And just like Eve, people haven't found out God's will for themselves they get their information about God secondhand and they base their beliefs on what they heard someone else teach or preach or prophesy. And unfortunately, people don't spend any time studying the word, meditating on the word, confessing the word or getting the word into them for themselves. So Satan doesn't even have to steal it. There's none there to start with. So Satan comes first to steal the word because if he is successful in stealing the word, he can then go on to kill. Now, at first, we think that that word kill would mean to take someone's life or to murder. However, remember, Satan can't do anything to us without our cooperation. He can't just come in and kill us. If he could, he would just wipe everyone off the planet. He still has to get us to cooperate with him. So let's look at what the word kill really means. And this is so interesting. That word kill, where it says that the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. The word kill is the Greek word thuo, and it means to sacrifice on an altar, to offer something as a spiritual sacrifice. 
So this word kill actually doesn't have anything to do with murder or taking someone's life. So why would this word be used to describe how the thief operates? It doesn't actually fit in with our traditional beliefs about what Satan does, how he's the thief, the stealer, the killer, and the destroyer. So remember that the devil the thief is already defeated, okay? He has no power. He's been stripped of all power and we are simply enforcing his defeat. We are not fighting for victory. We are enforcing our position of victory that we already have. We are not the sick fighting for healing. We are the healed enforcing the healing that we already have. We are not fighting for protection, for peace, for provision. We are simply enforcing that we already have been given these things and that we have already been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. So the devil cannot take any of these things from us. He has to first steal the word that tells us that we are healed, are blessed, are prosperous, are protected, have everything that pertains to life and godliness because he is trying to trick us into sacrificing these things, into giving them up, into letting them go, into believing his lies and deception that we don't have them more than God's word that says that we do have them. If he can successfully steal the word that says we already have everything that pertains to life and godliness, then he can get us to sacrifice or give up our health, give up our provision, give up our peace and joy, give up the things that pertain to life and godliness that we already have. And then he can achieve his ultimate goal, which is to destroy us. And that word destroy is the Greek word apolumai, which means to destroy utterly, absolute destruction, render useless, put out of the way entirely. So if the enemy can't end our life through sickness or disease or some other tragedy, his goal is to cause absolute destruction in our lives, get us so miserable and consumed with the chaos in our life that he renders us useless to the kingdom of God and God's purpose for our lives. And if he can, put us out of the way entirely where we turn our backs on God and blame him as the source of our despair. And it all starts with him using craftiness, trickery and deception to steal the word. He first comes to steal the word. For unbelievers who don't know God and don't know his word, he doesn't even have to start with stealing the word because people who don't know God don't know his word. They don't have any word in them and they just accept everything that happens to them as part of life. 
For Christians who have the wrong knowledge of God or a twisted perception of God, that God is in control and everything that happens in life is his will, they don't even account for the fact that they have an enemy. Satan doesn't have to steal the word from them either because they will just accept everything that comes their way as being part of God's divine plan. And for Christians who know the true nature of God, know that it's God's will to heal, to prosper, to bless, to protect, Christians who know that they have everything that pertains to life and godliness, for Christians who confess and meditate on God's great and precious promises, these are the ones that have word in them that Satan has to steal. So how does Satan steal the word? He comes with a lie a suggestion or a thought which is a contradiction of the word, hoping that we'll believe it more than we'll believe what God said. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 calls them imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God or the word and are disobedient to Christ, also the word. One of the definitions of imaginations is reasonings or opinions. The thoughts that the enemy presents to us aren't always a 180 degree contradiction of the word. Sometimes his thoughts sound like a reasonable thought, like a logical thought, like common sense. But even if it's slightly altered from the truth, it's a lie. He comes to steal the word by presenting us with thoughts about our situations that try to exalt themselves above our knowledge of God, above what God's word says. And you know that it's not always glaringly obvious that it's him. (laughs) Remember that he has to use wiles, cunning and deception to steal the word from us. And sometimes we'll think that his thoughts are our thoughts. He talks to us in the first person and he'll say to people, my grandfather died of heart disease and so did my father. So I'm predisposed to heart disease too. Or depression runs in my family. It was only a matter of time before I got it too. Or it's winter time. Everyone gets the flu in winter. Or my brother got the brains in my family. I'll never be as successful as him. Or science has proven that this medication, treatment, chemical or food is linked to this disease or disorder or condition. And that's how I got it. How do we know that those things are a contradiction to the word of God? Because God's word says that we have been redeemed from the curse of the law of sin and death, which includes generational curses. God's word says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. No means no. God's word says that we've been given everything that we need for an abundant, prosperous, successful, healthy life. And there's no conditions on that. There's no conditions that say only if you don't eat certain foods, only if heart disease doesn't run in your family, only in summer and not winter when it's flu season, only if you don't live in hurricane country. But see, unless we know the word of God and what God says about these things, we'll believe those things rather than the truth. 
And these are lies of the enemy, some examples of lies of the enemy that he uses to steal the word from generation to generation. And guys, that's why every statement, every belief, every philosophy, every idea that we have, we have to line it up with the word of God and ask ourselves, what does God say about this? There are no clauses, caveats, or conditions on the promises of God, except that we believe them. All things are possible, which means that nothing is impossible to those who choose to believe God and what he says and not the wisdom of the world, not the scientific facts, not the arguments from the enemy that try to exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. The only way the enemy can keep us battling health problems, battling financial problems, battling relational problems, battling emotional problems is if he can convince us to believe his lies more than we believe the word of God, which tells us who we are and what we have. The only way he can keep us stuck in those situations is if we take his thoughts. We have to know what the word says in order to recognize the lies and the contradictions. And so that's, again, why it's so important to have the word of God in us. This is vital information, guys, and this will change the outcome of what you are dealing with in the fight of faith. We're going to talk about this a bit more next week, and I'm going to give you some scenarios. If you're dealing with something in your life right now, how the enemy will present lies, thoughts, and suggestions to us to keep us stuck in that situation. So that's all we have time for today. I hope that you've learned something valuable and empowering. (laughs) And I look forward to joining you again next week as we continue to get to know our adversary and more importantly, how he steals the word. God bless you guys. I'll catch you next week on Faith Talks. Thank you so much for being part of today's episode of Faith Talks. If you have any questions related to today's or any of my previous episodes, if you have a testimony you would like to share, or for a free copy of Confessions for Life, please email me at questions at faithtalks.com.au. For episode announcements and regular encouragement, you can now find Faith Talks with Emily Preston on Facebook and Instagram. Finally, if you know anyone who would benefit from today's or any of my previous teachings, please share this podcast with them and help them receive revelation of the truth that will make them free. Until next time, know that I am praying for you and don't forget to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, and you will be blessed in everything that you do. God bless you.